From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. All that we have, we are in the story of Joseph. And um, now Joseph is in Egypt. His brothers have come to Egypt to get grain from Joseph. Joseph sent them away. He kept Simeon, the second to the oldest brother, um, the penultimate bro- oldest brother, and, and uh, said, you will get your brother back if you bring Benjamin, because Benjamin didn't go on the first trip. So the brothers go back to tell their father, Jacob, that they left Simeon, and in order to get Simeon back, they have to take Benjamin. And Jacob's not having it. He's saying, no way. You are not taking Benjamin back to Egypt to rescue Simeon, because if you take him and and uh, Pharaoh or this, you know, Pharaoh's number two, uh, it holds on to holds on to uh, Benjamin, then I'll have nothing left. Uh, my the two loves of my life were Joseph, who's dead, and Benjamin, who you're not going to take. So it's not going to happen. End of story. Period. Done. And uh, you know, Reuben really, Reuben and Simeon are the two oldest brothers. And they look out for each other, and Reuben wants to go get Simeon, but he cannot go against his father. Um, so they're at an impasse. So uh, in the very last part of this, we read in verse 38, But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down on the grave in sorrow. So um, that is... There you go, right there. Not going to happen, he said. So it doesn't happen. But, um, but sometimes life takes a turn, and sometimes things happen that are prodigious in life. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in, verse, uh, in chapter 43. So let's just see what happens if there's an impasse here. Um, Genesis 43. So now the famine was severe in the land. So the famine's been going on for a while. Well, now it's severe. So when they had eaten all the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father, Jacob, said to them, Go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. In other words, Dad, we went to Egypt. We got food. He, they took Simeon, and now he wants to see Benjamin, and we cannot go back unless we have Benjamin with us. It ain't, we'll have to starve or whatever, but if we go back without Benjamin, it'll be very severe for us. Well, Jacob's like, wait a minute. Uh, verse 6, Israel, Israel asks, why did you bring this trouble on me? By telling that man you had another brother. And they replied, The man questioned us closely about our family and ourselves. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, Bring your brother down here? They're like, So Jacob's like, This is all your fault. You told him too much about our family. And they're like, Well, Dad, we're standing in front of the most powerful guy in Egypt. And he's asking all these questions. How are we supposed to know we weren't supposed to talk about the family? We don't know why the guy is so interested in us. This is crazy talk. He's a whack job. 
We're just doing what we're trying to do to get, you know, grain. We're just following your orders. We didn't know it was going to go south like this. Then Judah said to his father, send the boy along with me. So Judah says, I've got a plan. So he goes to Israel, which is also Jacob. Send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all of my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice to Egypt. So um, now it's Judah's turn to step up. And he says, listen, Dad, send him with me and I will be. Now, why Judah is better than any other ones? Uh, you know, Simeon and uh, Reuben and Simeon are the two oldest. They weren't able to solve the problem. But maybe Judah can. Maybe there's something about Judah. Maybe it's his ability to convince people. I mean, of all the 12 sons, Judah says, I can get this done, Dad. Um, you know my skills. You know who I am. I'm a good negotiator. I'm a good, I mean, whatever it is about Judah, he says, I can get this done. He said, I myself personally will guarantee his safety. Now, of course, he can't guarantee his safety. I mean, he's going into Egypt. It's a foreign country to get land. And this guy who has Simeon, uh, I mean, they couldn't even guarantee Simeon's safety. Uh, so they're going into a foreign country with a guy that's kind of weird, that's doing weird things. And uh, how in the world can they guarantee the safety? There's really no way to guarantee the safety. Judah, it's all bluster here at this point. Yeah, he's like, if I don't bring him back, I will bear the blame. Great, says Jacob. But I would really rather have my son Benjamin not end up in a jail in Egypt. But uh, we'll see if the dad takes on this. So verse 15. So the men, uh, nope, nope, it's back here. So yeah, this is what their father Israel said to them. If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, I am bereaved. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So it sounds like Jacob is... Uh, has resigned the cell, himself to the fact that there's really no way he's going to get Simeon back. There's no way they're going to get grain unless Benjamin goes with them. So uh, Jacob says, listen, if you're going to go, take all the silver you can. I mean, maybe this is a test. Maybe the guy's really upset because you took the silver. I mean, I don't know how the silver ended up in your bag in the first place, but take all this stuff, go and get my son, uh, you know, come back, come back with Simeon, come back with Benjamin. Maybe it was a mistake. Um... Now, if it was a mistake, they probably should have gone back sooner, right? I mean, if you're honorable men and you get back and you see all this silver, um, the first thing you want to do is say, oh, we got to go back immediately to Egypt and return this silver. And maybe that's what Judah was saying when he said, well, you know, we could have made this trip twice. Because the longer you wait, 
the the harder it becomes, right? I mean, right now Simeon is in jail waiting for his brother Benjamin to come from Canaan to get to Egypt to rescue him and to spring him from jail. Well, the longer that goes on, the the guards, the you know, first of all, he could die in jail, but the guards, uh, Pharaoh, Joseph, who they don't know is Joseph, could forget about all this stuff. I mean, you you just don't want to delay this stuff too much. And and apparently they could have done this twice. They could have gone back twice uh, in the time that it's been since uh, since this the whole thing happened. Um, but as it is, it looks like Jacob has relented. He's going to let everybody go. Go get Benjamin, and um, or go get Simeon. Show this guy Benjamin, and maybe it'll all turn out well. He says, "Listen, take take balm, honey." Uh, spices, myrrh, pistachio nuts, almonds, take everything that we have here that we're growing and just get my sons back. Um, so what happens? Well, let's see. Verse 15. So here we go. So the men took the gifts. Huh. It is not. Here we go. So the men took the gifts and double the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. So it looks like they're going. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. So this is phenomenal. So they do go with all these gifts uh, and then they go, they see Joseph and... um, when they get there, Joseph says, slaughter an animal, and uh, there you go. Now, for some reason, um, I'm having trouble switching between me and the reading. So this is just going very slow, and I don't know why. Um, I'm going to go here and see. I guess it's probably because I've got slow internet this morning. Um and I don't know why that is, but it happens every once in a while. This is one of the dangers of doing this. So it's it's slow uh, on the it's slow on my computer, but when we upload it to YouTube, it won't be slow. All right, but it means it's going to take a little bit longer to switch back and forth. Um, so we're in the story where he says, "Take the men to my house, slaughter an animal, prepare a meal. They're going to eat with me at noon." Let's see if we can get there. Yes. So the man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, we were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks for the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. (laughs) So, I mean, I would be a little bit wigged out about this too, right? I mean, um, it is... For some reason, this this high official of Pharaoh's court is taking a keen interest in eleven brothers from from uh, Canaan. Uh, I mean, everybody else goes; they buy grain, they leave. It's it's a transaction, right? But for some reason, you get these eleven brothers from Canaan that come into Pharaoh's court, and this guy, uh, and he has an Egyptian name. I can't remember what it is, but uh, this guy takes an incredibly keen awareness of them and interest in them and now he's taken them to their hand and into his house which i'm sure at this point is a palace it's probably near pharaoh's court right it's probably walking distance a few steps from pharaoh's house 
He's Pharaoh's number two. It's got to be a beautiful house, you know, granite floors and high ceilings and stucco. I mean, it's got to be a very, very beautiful place. And all of a sudden they go into his house and he's going to have lunch with them. And they are wigged out and rightfully so. I mean, uh, this guy is doing things that just aren't normally done. What in the world is going on? Um, And so they say, they're thinking among themselves, well, it's because of the silver. It has to be the silver. We left with all that silver and now he wants to attack us and he wants to take our donkeys. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right, verse 19. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the, for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of the sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put the silver in our sacks. So they're like trying to nip this in the bud. It's like, it has to be the silver. Okay, let's tell them. So they go to the steward, Joseph's steward, and say, listen, we don't know what's going on here. This is kind of crazy. But we just want you to know that we left, we saw the extra silver. We've brought it back. And we've even brought additional silver because we don't really want to be in trouble with you. We just want to buy some grain. That's all we want to do. And we're getting all this special treatment. This is really strange. Maybe you could help us out, understand. Uh, And what does the steward say? Well, verse 23. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you, you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. And then he brought Simeon out to them. So, <laughs> so the steward's like, that's all right. It's okay. Don't be afraid. Um, your God has given you treasures in your sack. I received your silver. And then he brings out Simeon. So Simeon, who's been in jail for, I don't know, what is this, a year? How long? Um, two trips to Egypt, probably a month each trip. So he's, maybe it's four months, three months. I don't know. It's, but the food ran out. And you would think they'd get enough food for like a year or two. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's probably six months to a year. That's, that's my biggest guess. That's my guess. Um, but so I haven't seen Simeon for a year. Simeon comes out and they have this wonderful reunion. Um, then verse 24, the steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard that they were to eat there. And when Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house and they bowed down before him to the ground. And he asked them how they were. And then he said, how is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? And they replied, your servant, our father is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. So Joseph comes back, it's the noontime lunch, uh, all the silver's laid out, and um, Joseph starts asking about jo- Jacob. They say, yeah, Jacob's fine, he's alive and well. And then they bow down and prostrate themselves before Joseph. And of course, I guess it's at this point, although the whole story is this, but if you'll remember the story at the beginning of this whole chapter in 42, in verse chapter 42, the reason why Joseph is in, or yeah, Joseph is in this trouble to begin with, is because God shared with him a dream that his brothers would bow down before him, and that his brothers didn't like that and sold him into slavery. This whole story happened because of this, and now his brothers are lying prostrate before him. 
I mean, this is the fulfillment of the dream, right? It's the fulfillment of the prophecy. Um, and uh, it goes without saying that God has does amazing things. I mean, it's it's a, it's a prophecy that happened because of the prophecy, right? He had the dream, which caused him to be sold into slavery, which caused him to go to Potiphar's house, which caused him to go to Pharaoh, which caused him to be Pharaoh's number two, which caused him to do all the grain storage, which caused his brother to come down and bow before him to get grain. I mean, it's just, it is stunning how God amazingly does things in his own time. And uh, just, just, I, I love, I just love, because we're all Joseph, right? Um at some level, we're all Joseph, and and God, uh, every once in a while, does amazing things in our life, fulfills a promise, fulfills a dream, um, and when He does, uh, when He's faithful and and His promises uh, come true, we should just take a moment and pause and give thanks that He does what He says He's going to do. Right? I mean, that's it. Um, but let's keep going. Verse twenty nine. Maybe, yeah. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, is this, is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. And deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and he wept there. So this is the first time he's seen uh, his brother. And... Um, uh, he he can't control himself. I mean, imagine, I don't know how many years. He left at age 17, and um, it's probably, I'm saying it's probably seven, four, it's probably 10, 15 years that he's been away from his family. I mean, I, I'm probably, there's probably people have done this calculation to see, but uh, his brother, he hasn't seen his brother. And this is his blood brother. I mean, same mother, same father. And uh, his mother died giving birth to this boy. So uh, just to be in the same room and to, be, and to have your brother that you haven't seen. Have you ever seen shows where twins are separated at birth? Uh, and then at some point later, they find out that there's another twin and they get you know joined together again. Um, you know, awesome, awesome. Or, or someone's adopted and they go find their birth mother and they're joined together again. Or, you know, there's a war and um, they're separated in the war and then they somehow come back together again. I mean, whenever you have familial reunions, it is a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a thing that should make us all weep, right? I mean, you watch these things on television. You see a father come home from the war, uh, you know, and walk in on his uh, son's basketball game, you know, and he's the referee or something like that. It's just... You know, there's there's something about getting back together again with somebody you haven't seen for a long time, and it's a blood relation or a friend. Friends too, but blood relations are, you know, pretty powerful. And of course, Joseph's going to weep. I mean, this is an emotional time for him, uh, which tells you a lot about Joseph. Um, Joseph is not one. He's, uh, he's a great leader, and great leaders have the ability to connect with their mind, to connect with their heart, and connect with their gut, right? Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. In other words, um, and those three commands are, you know, there's three centers that we live in. 
Um, there's the head center, the heart center, and the, and the body center, the gut center. And Joseph obviously is a man who's well-connected with his emotions. Um, and he's also connected with gut feeling. He's connected with intelligence. He's an amazing man that we all can be. We all can be amazing people. We tend to live in one of those areas in our life. And uh, as we get older, we should facilitate and grow and build other areas of our life that maybe aren't as strong because at some point you need all three of those areas to be uh, at some point in your life. Um, so anyway, that's just a little, little uh, you know, in, uh, a little psychological insight, a personality profile insight. Um, so he goes into his private room and he weeps. All right, let's see what happens after that. It's just not switching very well today. There we go. Verse 31. After Joseph washed his face, he came out and he controlled himself and he said, serve the food. And then they served him by himself and the brothers by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of their ages from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. And where portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and they drank freely with him. So obviously Joseph is giving a little bit of extra attention to his brother Benjamin. Um, they have to be by themselves. Now, this is interesting that it's detestable for Egyptians to eat with Hebrews. But you have to understand that eating with somebody always signified a familial, brotherly association that, um, that it was just more than eating food. Let me put it that way. I mean, we go to a restaurant. There's other people in our restaurant. We don't care who's eating with us, right? If you invite someone to your house, it could be a stranger, but you can invite anybody to your house that you want to. I mean, it's, it's your domain. Nobody's going to yell at you or, or look down upon you if, you if you bring somebody to your house because it's your, it's your domain. You can eat with whoever you want to. But historically, in biblical times and definitely here, when you brought somebody into your house to eat and share a meal with you, it was a, almost a religious experience. And as a religious experience, you couldn't share that experience with people that weren't from your, from your tribe, from your religion, from your culture. Um, and so, believe it or not, they're having a meal, but the Egyptians and the, and the Hebrews are not eating together. And of course, the Hebrews do the same thing. Even at Jesus' time, uh, the Hebrews would only eat meals with the Hebrews, not Jesus. Jesus eats meal with anybody. He'll eat meal with any sinner that he can come into contact with, he'll have a dinner with. Break down those barriers, Jesus. That's what he does. Because Jesus doesn't believe in barriers. Jesus believes that God loves all people equally. And so that should also come to the dinner table. And uh, there's so much there. I mean, in our life, uh, what it means for us as Christians is that we can go out and have a meal, share a meal with anybody um, because uh, God loves them as much as he loves anybody, right? God loves them. And he's precious. They're his precious children, and uh, they might be lost sheep, but they're sheep, and they're God's sheep that he created, and uh, there should be nothing that should ever prevent us from loving and sharing a meal with anybody else around us. So, um, 
That's a good lesson. Um, that's a great lesson. You know, it's interesting that when the early church got together, um, it says uh, in Acts 2.42, they got together for the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. Well, the breaking of bread was what they called the agape meal. And uh, you, commentators will say, was that Holy Communion or was that just what they call the agape meal? But if you go back and look at, uh, there's a great book, it's on my bookshelf here, uh, that, that talks about the early church. It's called The Early Church Speaks, and it looks at writings from different early Christian authors. This is probably 100 AD, 200 AD. They were one and the same. Uh, Holy Communion was didn't look as what we have today that we put in the middle of our worship service. Uh, Holy Communion was more of a, a fellowship, a group of Christians coming together to share a meal, and then in the middle of that meal, they would uh, celebrate the wine and the bread that Jesus, uh, you know, commanded that when you come together, uh, it was almost like um, a Passover meal, I guess you could say, um, but it was, it was a, what they called an agape meal. So it switched from the Passover meal to the agape meal, uh, and they would gather together. And then Paul actually chastises them in 1 Corinthians where he says, um, when you all get together for this agape meal, you're not sharing the food. It's a potluck, but you're not sharing the food. And you need to do that. Remember, this is something that's supposed to bring you together. And when you don't share the food, when you have uh, some people sit at the higher end of the table and some people at the lower end of the table and you start you know, classifying people you know, with their wealth and power and all that sort of thing, you're not really sharing this meal um, the way Jesus said. Jesus said, when you come together in this meal, it should be shared uh, with... with um, love and humility and grace and everybody's a part of it um and that's what really paul's railing against in first corinthians so um uh yeah and what we do in worship on sunday morning is uh it's a remembrance and it's holy communion but it does look a little bit different than what the early church did it actually looks dramatically different from what the early church did um they uh yeah they came together for this agape meal and at the agape meal, everybody's invited. Uh, now, not everybody may be able to take communion, but everybody was invited to this agape meal to share the blessings, the abundance, and the fellowship, and the joy of being around together. Anyway, so little little history lesson there. All right, uh, I think we'll leave it there. Um, we're going to start again tomorrow in verse in chapter forty-four and see what happens, because they're at meal with Joseph. Is Joseph going to kill him? He's going to execute him he's gonna what well we don't know we'll have to find out tomorrow so uh, let's close in prayer uh gracious god thank you for the blessings of this day thanks for the deer yesterday that you showed me uh and that we've just brought so much joy uh bring us joy today um through your son jesus in his name we pray